Hi, my name is Joe Hancock, founder of His Vessel Ministries, and your host for Becoming His Vessel podcast. Often say in this thing called life, I may not always get it right, but my heart is to get it right. So my heart's desire is that this would be a resource for me as well as you, that we would be formed by God's Word, filled with Father God, and just poured out for His glory, truly becoming His vessel. Welcome back to the podcast. I want to talk about something really important today that I know has the potential to change you and change things around you. We all have to agree that our culture is getting darker and darker, but there's hope for it. And there's one place that it starts and we have to change the heart. And then we change the home and then God goes out and changes the culture on our behalf. And so I want to talk about that. There's one key element that every one of us needs to be convicted of, how we can help bring that change to our culture. And I have with me on this podcast today, Phyllis Ingram, and she's going to share some important points. So I want you to lean in. I want you to listen closely to her heart, listen to her experiences, and then let the Holy Spirit speak to you. Phyllis is a dear friend of mine, Precious. We go way back. In fact, Phyllis is on the board of directors here at His Vessel Ministries and has been from day one. And she brings a tremendous business background. She is a senior partner in Car Riggs and Ingram CPA accounting firm that is known nationwide. She is no ordinary business person. In fact, she has gained national attention as a powerful woman, a powerful CPA in the United States simply because of her work ethics and her ability and her wisdom to her clients and to her firm. And I say all that to say she is powerful. She is powerful. But I will tell you, and I believe that Phyllis will tell us too as we get into this conversation, there's something that is even more powerful in her life. And we all have access to that. Because don't we all want to be powerful? We all want to influence our home. We want to influence our family. We want to have value and influence and to make a difference into lives around us. And Phyllis does that. And Phyllis is going to share with us how God moved in her life and brought her to a point that God ordered her life to prioritize her life so that she could influence people through the power of prayer. So thank you, Phyllis, for joining us. Happy to be here. Well, it's a privilege. And so I just want us to talk. You've got wisdom, so much wisdom to share with individuals, but you've got tremendous wisdom and experience to share with our audience that I believe will help them and direct them that they can journey along with where you are in your life of prayer. Tell me how all that happened with you. I know you were raised in the church. You came up through the church. I know when we met, it was through the church. You were busy and active in the church. And then our relationship started through His Vessel Ministries by you being on the board of directors. And then through these 20-some years, we've grown together, but it's in a relationship through the Word of God. So tell us how that happened in your life. Oh, absolutely. Well, I took the discipleship class, first-year discipleship class at His Vessel in 2009 and really just learned what I didn't really know about 
having my heart pure and clean, what I didn't know about prayer, how you had to prepare yourself for prayer. So I took that class and just realized how how weak I was in prayer and just being totally surrendered to God. Unfortunately, I was 53 years old and didn't even know how to really pray. I mean, I did my daily devotional, you know, 5 or 15 minutes a day, and I would just do those prayers, but I didn't really know the power of prayer. So going through my first year of discipleship class at His Vessel and then just start practicing what I learned in that, that was in 2009, is really just spending time with the Lord, reading the Bible, making sure my heart was pure, making sure I got rid of anything in my heart that wasn't of God. And so that's how I got to, you know, get in His presence. And that's what I didn't know how to do. But through the class, I learned to do that. And then over the years, it's just gotten stronger and stronger. So what does that look like in your life? I know there are people out there listening and they understand that, yes, I want to get in His presence and I want to pray and I want to pray more and I want to practice prayer. But practically, how does that look like for you that you've gotten from where you started to where you are today, influencing so many people through the power of prayer? Well, for me, I had to know the order of prayer. So, you know, for me, it begins with praise. And then it begins with repentance. So I, I would have this checklist and still use it, put off, put on, and I go through there. And anything, as I read through those you know, strongholds or sins, anything like unforgiveness or critical spirit or anything I'm dealing with pride, then I ask God to search my heart and He convicts me of any of those things I've got in my heart. And I still do that every day. I do the praise part, then I do the repentance. And then I, after that repentance, you know, that could take several days when I first started to pray because I didn't know that I had all those strongholds in my life. And then even today, I learned something from Jane Araga that said I kept repenting of the same thing over and over and over. And she said it's almost like taking a shower, that once God washes that dirt away, just like the shower, then you only have to really repent for the previous 24 hours unless the Holy Spirit quickens you to something that he brings up in the past that you've you know, probably forgotten about that you need to ask forgiveness or repent. But then after repentance, I always just pray on the armor of God, Ephesians 6. And then I, every day I start with Psalm 91, and I pray that out loud for my family and for my friends and for our nation and for everything else that comes into mind. And from there I just start praying the Scripture and whatever God puts on my heart. Well, you were talking about you pray scripture. How did you get to that point, and how do you approach that? You know, is it just opening the Bible, or do you know enough, memorized enough scripture that you pray it, or how did you do that? Yeah, I think it's um, back, Joe, in early 2010 in January. God put on your heart to bring me this book called Prayer Portions by Sylvia Gunner. And so I didn't know I was going to need that book, and I started reading, and it goes through all the steps of prayer. She writes all these books on prayers, and I know you use some of her material in conjunction with what you write. And it started all the praise portions, and you just go through the praise and repentance, and it's loaded with Scripture, those books are. So when I started back in 2010, it was using the Silver Gunner Prayer Portions book and the praise repentance sections. Read every single Scripture, every single page, and that really came in handy because that was in January 2010. You met me at Chick-fil-A. You said, I remember. <laughs> you said, you called me and said, God told me to bring this book to you. And I don't know why, but I got to get it to you. And she said, you said, can I meet me at Chick-fil-A? Well, that was in January. Did I not know that uh, my brother would get killed like in a car accident like on January 26th or 7th of that same month? 
And so that book, God, just having those three weeks of those praise portions. So when my brother passed away, because I'd already you know, lost my parents and another brother, and so this was my younger brother, and so I was just devastated because I'm thinking, like, how in the world could you take a 45-year-old brother who's got five children? And so I went into this depression. It was like grief, but then I went into depression, but I used that book to pray that stronghold of depression off of me. It's just praying the scripture and binding and breaking and binding back those strongholds of depression and self-pity and despair. Mm-hmm. And it, it's hard to do that, but, but I actually prayed it off of me. Yeah. You know, I say a lot of times, and I, I know I've heard you say this, that God can take hard times, those times that it's sometimes hard to embrace, but He can take, because He's a sovereign God, and He can take those times and make us better. It sounds like to me, that was a hard time for you. I, I remember when your brother was in that accident and just taken, immediately taken from this earth. And that was a hard time for you. But I watched you become better as a result of that. And I know that's kind of hard to say, but that happened. So how did you make your life somehow better coming through that depression? We never, none of us want to lose a loved one unexpectedly. None of us want to go through depression. But how did you take those circumstances and become better through prayer? You just become so desperate, and you just decide that God's enough. And He was enough for me then. Mm -hmm. He was just all we need, and He can provide every need that we have, whether it's, you know, friendship, companionship, anything we need, like protector, provider, whatever it is, he he was there for me. Mm-hmm. And it took, you know, I didn't work for eight weeks, and I was, t- because I was in this depressed state after my brother, and I just really had all the time in the world to spend in the Word. And when you read the Bible, and it starts becoming alive to you because you're so broken, and then you realize that God's enough. And so you just want to build that relationship with Him, and you want to communicate with Him, and that situation actually brought me closer to the Lord because I had to rely on Him. He you was know, all I had. You said something really powerful just then. Because in our culture today, there are a lot of people that are going through or in the midst of mental illness or depression or hopelessness. Maybe because of the way our nation is, maybe because of circumstances, but you've been there. Not because of the culture, but because of what you experienced. How would you help someone right now? Because, I, you know, I was reading just the other day how much money has been legislated to help cover people that are going through mental illness today, to help children in schools deal with this depression that they're going through. I mean, we're throwing a lot of money at this issue. We're throwing a lot of resources at this issue. But I wonder how much prayer, how much word we're putting on this issue. But how can you help our culture? Just by what you experienced, how could you address this with someone that may be at home right now and this is in their home? This is in their family. Someone is going through despair somebody's going through discouragement, somebody is in the midst of depression, how would you tell them from Christian to another Christian, 
how they could make it through this. Oh yeah, it's real too, Joe. Like I just read a statistic not too long ago that one out of every five individuals in the U.S. battles with some sort of mental mm. illness, whether mm. it be depression or you know despair or whatever it is. But a lot of people in those situations, you know, they're gonna need some help, like with a counselor or third party. All I can say is just to start reading the word. It's living, it's breathing, it's the same as it was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And I would just start with the book of John and read John. If you have to read John over and over and over, and that's what I would start with is John. And just the more you feed yourself on that word, the more it, it just starts speaking to you. And so that's what I would do. And if you, um, it's going to be hard to break out of that on your own, but through prayer and reading the word, you can. But I think, you know, find a Christian counselor, find somebody that can help you walk through that journey. Mm-hmm. And the Word has power, doesn't it? Yes. And just, even if you don't feel like it, just pray the Word. Just turn to the Word and pray the Word aloud. That Word, when you speak it, it has power. And it knows where to go and what to do. It's like our friend Jane Aragai used to tell me, Joe, just speak the Word. It knows what to do. You don't have to worry about doing it for it. And that's what I'm hearing you say. And so many times that word is what we reach for last. (laughs) And the word, I'm just sitting here thinking about Proverbs 4. And I want to read that aloud because it reminded me, it's like our medicine. You know, many people are written a prescription for depression. And there are people that do need some help during those times. But the Word is also your medicine. And Absolutely. so along with reaching for other things, the phone to call somebody, you know, the prescription that may help you temporarily to get through this, reach for the Word of God because this is what the Word says. My son, this is Proverbs 4, beginning with verse 20. My son, give attention to my words. That's this Bible. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them apart from your eyes and keep them in the midst of your heart. That's what you just said. You were putting that word in your heart and you were meditating on that word and you just kept reading that word if you had to keep reading it over and over. And it goes on to say, For they, the word, is life to those that find them and it's health to their bones. Keep your heart with all diligence Because out of the heart comes the issue of life. So what you're saying is, put that word in you. It knows what to do because it becomes life. And you know, so many people, and maybe you can speak to this too, when you're going through that despair and particularly depression, you feel like your life is being snuffed out. You feel like you're losing purpose. You're losing control of your life. But here it says, you put that word in your heart, it becomes your life. Yes, that's true. It becomes your life. And that's what God is wanting. It's back to what you said earlier, is that you grew in that intimate relationship with God. And then out of that, it led you to this commitment to every day getting up and spending time with God in prayer. And that was your personal prayer. But I also know that in your journey, then it got larger. You went deeper. You then 
you know, it began to spread to your home, to your family praying together, and then spreading past that. How was it that you, as you walked through this, using the power of prayer, that it began to impact not only your heart, but now it's impacting your home? Oh, yeah. We started praying as a family at the dinner table, and and it was really powerful for me, and it gave me such confidence in the power of prayer because I was praying for my husband, and I was printing off scriptures and putting under the mattress where he sleeps. <laughs> I was putting printed scriptures under the chair and where he sat because he had he had some unforgiveness in his life and some issues that he needed to deal with. And so I every day would pray out loud, Second Chronicles 20. I prayed out loud um, Psalms 18, and then I prayed Isaiah 6, and I was faithful to try to win that battle on my knees, not confront him because he's flesh and blood, but just like Ephesians 6 tells us, we're not wrestling with flesh and blood. And these people in our family, like if you've got somebody in your family that have issues, it's not that person. It's the spirit in them that if they're oppressed by demonic spirits and so, or unforgiveness or bitterness or jealousy, whatever it is that, that's affected them. And so I started praying for him for forgiveness and also just some habits that he needed to break and some friends that he needed to break away from. And I saw those prayers answered. And so when you see some prayers answered, that really encourages you. But I've also had some prayers where God chose not to answer the way I prayed. So I just accept his will, whatever, how he answers it, and I'm going to continue to pray. Yeah, because you trust him. Yes. You trust God. Simply trust him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then from there, praying for your family. I know you've seen your family grow and be encouraged and stay steadfast because of your life. Because, you know, as the wife and mother and the woman of the home, we really are a strength in the home, aren't we? And so we can have an influence. And I know the world would tell us that we can be a powerful woman because we can tell people what to do and we can kind of preach the word to them, preach the message to them. But that isn't what I heard from you. I heard you say you were steadfast in living the Word, and you just prayed for them. Then you watched God change them. Oh, yes, yeah. And I'm, gosh, not perfect by any means, but but I saw um, prayer answered for my children. Like now, I'm so blessed by two Mm -hmm. wonderful kids. Both read the Bible and both pray. And so that is a blessing. I, I do believe that my obedience to prayer and trying to be faithful to the Lord has blessed me with two wonderful children and um, a son-in-law and a daughter-in-law, too, that love God. But my daughter and son, they're in the Word every day, and they pray the same prayers, some of the same prayers <laughs> that I prayed for Meryl. They're praying for their husband and their wives. And so I'm just so blessed that God has just blessed me so much because of my obedience to Him. Yeah, and the prayer, obedience to prayer and making it that priority in your life. And then I've watched you carry that over in your business. You have, you know, a senior partner in an incredible CPA firm, but yet you know it's not just how much people know about accounting and so forth. You know that it starts with prayer. Oh, absolutely. Like on our executive committee meetings, I've suggested to our managing partner that we start opening those meetings up with prayer. And the same thing for my partners and the staff and their families. I pray for our managing partner every day for wisdom and favor as he guides our firm. And so I just trust God in prayer for 
every walk of my life, whether it's personal, family, my business, or whatever, wherever I am in, in my life. Yes, and you know what I'm hearing you say is that you trust God with it, and then you pray, but you don't go and try to be God. You let God move as you have prayed, and then you sit back and you watch God move through your family and move through your adult children now, and then move through your business. And and that's kind of, sometimes our flesh gets in the way of that, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, because I'm uh, trying to get ahead of God, but now it's so good to to just know that that's the power of the Holy Spirit. All we're supposed to do is pray and ask God and read His Word and pray His Word and then let the Holy Spirit do the work. I mean, we win whatever battle we're facing on our knees, and it's not for us to go confront the person because they've got to get convicted by the Holy Spirit and bring Mm. that godly sorrow to repentance and conviction, and only the Holy Spirit can do that. Mm -hmm. We can't do that as a mother as a wife, as a friend at work. I mean, you know, you can examine fruit and you can mention something, but the power of the Holy Spirit is so much powerful than we are. Yes, that is so true. That is so true. And it's like dying to ourself, you know, to do that. But what about, you know, sometimes prayer can be intimidating. And we know that is right from the enemy because God longs to have that relationship with each one of us. And it's through prayer how we commune and communicate with God. But how do you speak to someone that they feel intimidated? And so, you know, they, they see these what people is so it's so common for people to say, oh, they're the prayer warriors. Well, no, we're all prayer warriors because God wants to communicate and us to communicate with Him. And so rather than people standing back and letting the enemy steal that privilege from them, how do people overcome that intimidation that they just start praying? Yeah, I think for me, you know, it started in my home, but then I started attending a really it was for like 13 or 14 years I guess it started in 2008 there was a weekly corporate prayer at lunch on Thursdays at his vessel room and I started I was just drawn by the Holy Spirit I didn't care what was on my calendar I was going to be downtown to pray for that hour and for the first year I just you know listened to everybody pray and you kind of learn how they were praying the scripture because praying the scripture is so powerful and so I did that for forever since 2008. Now we do it on Tuesday mornings. And there's the power, like Deuteronomy tells us, one chases away a thousand, two chases away ten thousand. So I know there is power in agreement with multiple people praying. So um, that, you know, being in that corporate prayer environment helped me to learn how to pray also. Just listen to other people that were a lot more seasoned prayer people than I was to kind of pick up on what they prayed and learn how they prayed and just to know how to pray out loud. Yes, and getting past that intimidation, you know, it's staying focused on God and and, and coming and experiencing it and being with other people because every one of us had to start somewhere. Absolutely. Got to start somewhere. Exactly. And wherever we are, we start. And as we start, we just have that desire to go deeper in our relationship with God. In fact, you know, I'm sitting here and thinking that's really a better way to think of it. A prayer as I just want to get a deeper relationship with God rather than I want to become a prayer warrior and I want to be able to pray all the results for this culture problem. No, that can right there intimidate us. The enemy can use that to intimidate us or to keep us from praying. But if we think about it the way you just voiced it, no, 
I'm just going to use prayer as going deeper with my relationship with God. And however he wants to use that, I'm just going to hang on to God because that's really what prayer is all about. And we miss that opportunity, don't we? When we forsake those privileges of coming together with other people to pray with them. Oh, absolutely. I agree 100% with that. You have to, you have to commit some time. And like for me, start my prayer journey, I think somebody told me, it might have been you, Joe, to just trying to commit to 30, 35 minutes a morning. And that 35, that 35 minutes, once you started reading the Word and you started just asking God and really listening. Now I do more listening than I do talking to the Lord. But you start spending 35 minutes. The first thing I know, I was spending two hours. I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, it was just like, and that's what I pray every day for my children and really my friends and family, is that they would have such a hunger for the Word of God and they'd have the fear of the Lord. And so you get the fear of the Lord and you have a hunger for His Word, then it just starts multiplying. You just can't get enough of it. Yeah, and you know, Phyllis, I don't think I know of a more committed person that believes the power of prayer and reaches out regardless of who it is to ask for prayer and to share prayer than you. You have no inhibition to do that. I, you know, constantly you're always speaking about prayer needs, prayer requests, or praying for someone. And it's like it just flows through your life all the time. But that hadn't always been, but you've grown there because you really believe it. That's what I want people to understand is that when you really believe prayer, you start living prayer, and that's really what you do. Well, it's just you got to believe in God, too, because really prayer is just talking to God. And you, and, you know, it's just like me and you, Joe. We built our relationship by spending time together. And the way I've built my relationship with the Lord is just spending time with Him. And then over the years, and like I said, I only learned how to pray when I was 53. I mean, I'm talking about deep prayer intercession and prayer and then from 53 you know that's been probably 13 or 14 years ago but not that long but it just takes a time commitment with any relationship but gosh it's so worth it and I trust the Lord with everything with the good with the bad whatever happens in my life I just know that he knows the big picture more than I do and so when I'm thinking that you know I try to sometimes think short term I say Lord you see the entirety of my life and so you know best for me because you love me you created me you know every hair on my head and you want the best for me so Mm. I believe that and I trust that Mm -hmm. but you've done that in your personal life and you've done it I've watched you do that in your home and no telling how many people you've impacted one-on-one but then I I watched you get a burden for your church and just not just your congregation, but the church, the body of Christ, that you wanted them to get it. You wanted them to experience what you were now experiencing and living out through prayer. So that same power could impact their life. Tell us about how that happened and how you've gone to your own church. You have increased the power of prayer through your own local congregation. Oh, it's just a blessing. I was on a prayer committee at First Baptist Montgomery, and I think when we first started on the committee, it was me and Donna McClinton, and she and I met at her house, and we went through all the responsibilities of the prayer committee. And, you know, 
basically we were supposed to pray, but there wasn't that. There's a lot of prayer going on, like the prayer room, and but not a lot of corporate prayer, not just for the prayer team. So Don and I decided to have, you know, war room at the. It's a corporate prayer time the first Wednesday of every month at First Baptist, and that was real successful. And we got a lot of people, maybe 40 people on the prayer team that's involved with that. And then we started praying before the service. Now what we're doing, we pray before the service. We meet at 7.45. Our service starts at 8.30. And, oh gosh, the Holy Spirit shows up every single time. We've been doing this for probably six or seven weeks. But the Holy Spirit is so strong when you get that corporate group of believers that come together and they pray for the service, for the pastor, for the loss, for anything, for the service that day. It's just been powerful. So our church at First Baptist, our pastors tell us that they can feel that power of prayer and they know that we prayed before the service and we're praying for, you know, the spirit of pride and everything else to be left at the door so the Holy Spirit can come in the sanctuary. And so I even with that I think God just wants our obedience to come and pray and ask him to come and he's welcome and let the Holy Spirit come in. And the Holy Spirit's present there every single time. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what Scripture clearly says in the Old Testament and New Testament. We're to be a house of prayer because everything starts and ends with prayer, doesn't it? And that's where the work is done, is in prayer. And so expanding that to other believers, they can catch the fire. The fire that's in you, they can catch that by doing it. And then every church... Every church be lit up through the power of prayer. Absolutely. You know, there are some people that say, oh, well, God answers Phyllis's prayers, but God, he doesn't answer my prayers like that. And I don't know why, but yet God wants to hear their prayers. God wants to answer their prayers. And you kind of touched on this earlier that sometimes it could be people just don't know how to pray. They want to but they don't know. And maybe they don't even realize they may not be approaching the throne of God because there's an order, isn't there? Coming into God's presence, communicating with God because He's a holy God, there is an order that God requires. And and it's not technical, it's simple. And so people knowing that and learning that, they can learn to pray like you, learn to experience a prayer life like you have. They can go deeper in their prayer life like you have. And we have something coming up at His Vessel Ministries called Fan in the Flame. That's a good opportunity for people to pick up with what you're saying right here and go deeper. Learn how to pray. Go deeper with your prayer life. Come around other believers and know that God wants to entertain your prayers as much as He does Phyllis Ingram. Absolutely. I would strongly encourage anybody that thinks that they don't know how to pray or maybe they're not praying the right way or their prayers aren't being answered, just take that first step and come to the fan in the flame and just be with other prayer warriors and people that know how to pray and you just learn from them and just take the first step and go through discipleship. That's what really changed my life is the discipleship because I was praying every day. But I can tell you the truth, I didn't know the order of prayer. And my prayers were not even going through the ceiling to the Lord because my heart wasn't right. So, you know, learning the order of prayer, going through discipleship, attending this fan in the flame, all that would be great places to start because you have to start somewhere. That's right. And so people just come and start where you are and then watch God use you 
And then, as I would say, watch God then use people through the power of prayer to go out and change the culture. Because I say all the time, people are waiting for the next big political movement to change our culture. Because we all agree it's, it's dark. It's dark out there. Our culture is dark. People are thinking things that used to when you and I were growing up, people wouldn't even say, let alone go do. But they are. But they're waiting on the next political movement to correct the culture. And yet God is waiting for us in humility for Him to move through the power of prayer. Absolutely. And we can watch God move if we'll just get on our face and commit to a life of prayer. That's when we're going to see the culture change. You know, and people talk about the church needs to change. The church needs to become more vocal and more in the game, so to speak, to change the culture. Well, we change the culture when we change the heart. Because the church is nothing but a reflection of the heart of people that go there, the congregation. So if we change the heart, allow God to change our heart, through this relationship with God that we commune with Him, then God can change our home, and then God can go change the church, and then go change the culture. To me, it's so simple, but it does take commitment, doesn't it? Yes. Well, you've heard Phyllis's heart, and I know, even just me listening to this has stirred my heart, and I know it's stirring you. I know that there's no doubt the Holy Spirit has motivated you to make a change. Make a change in your own personal prayer life to go deeper wherever you are. It may be just to learn the order of prayer, how to get in God's presence, how to spend time with God every day, how to make prayer a priority so you can see God move in your life the way Phyllis has shared how God's moved in her life. So I want to encourage you If that's where you are and the Holy Spirit is leading you, come to Fanning the Flame. That's the purpose for doing this, is to gather with other believers and increase our own personal prayer life. I'll be there. I know God's going to use it in my life to get me even more committed to a life of prayer. So you can register. Go to hisvessel.org, and you can register right there on our website to participate in this event. It's October the 30th. It's a Sunday afternoon. We all have that time available from 1 to 6.30. Now, that may sound like a lot of time, but I'm going to tell you, when you get in God's presence, as Phyllis has already shared with us, that time will quickly pass you by. And so, You register, you come, but come expecting God to take your prayer life and move it to a deeper relationship with Him. I encourage you, don't miss this opportunity. Thank you for listening to the Becoming His Vessel podcast. If you'd like to receive more resources that would help guide you in becoming His Vessel, I invite you to visit our website at www.hisvessel.org. If you'd like to connect with me directly, I would love to hear from you. You can reach me by calling 334-356-4478. And my prayer is that you would seek to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your strength as you seek to become His vessel.